Hey everybody, welcome to season three of Rebels, Rebels, yay! I am a moody teenager who is just finding his power. Mm. He's the grumpy teacher. It's Mike, how you doing? That was pretty spot on, actually. <laughs> I actually just, I forgot to write that down in my notes, so I just made that up on the spot. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> You're just reflecting on you and I. So, I know, um, pretty and you much. and me. That's pretty good. All right, Thanks. good one. Cool. Well, welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. So I didn't write that down. I had to remember that from the last two seasons. Man, we are rusty, but on our game. Like I I was like, oh crap, I didn't write that down. (laughs) But then I remembered it. Nice. I know that is impressive. I never remember that. I always have to check our Twitter bio. Yeah, so welcome to season three. We are excited to get back into this. Um, This is a really, really good season, so I'm really excited to talk about it. We don't have any guests today. I'm just excited to get into season three. We are talking about episodes one and two, which can be confusing because it was released as a movie first, and some places have this as two episodes. We are considering it as two episodes, but I'm ready to get into this. Are you ready, Mike? Let's go. Let's recap from season three, episodes one and two. Six months after the events of our previous season, Ezra is leading a mission to rescue Hondo Anaka from an Imperial prison. It looks like he has a new lightsaber and some pretty new fancy force abilities. That And a new Lego haircut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> potentially he's learned these new skills not from Kanan but from the Sith holocron the voice of the presence Mm -hmm. Ondo has some pretty good intel they find out when he they are rescuing him from his good friend the Ugnaught Turba that a squadron of Y-wings are about to be destroyed in an Imperial shipyard that the rebels can take for themselves with Ezra being given command of the mission so, Kanan, meanwhile, is struggling with his blindness when he discovers Ezra's use of these holocrons mm. and confiscates it. Before being summoned into the Atonalan Wilds by a mysterious call from the Bendu. It's a great voice, by the way. The Bendu oh, is yeah. an ancient force user who is neither Jedi nor Sith. We'll get into it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Governor Price decides that the growing rebel threat requires a greater response and requisitions the 7th Fleet, which is revealed to be under the leadership of the recently promoted Grand Admiral Thrawn. Not just Admiral Thrawn anymore. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The Bendu then helps Kanan to realize that the Force grants him abilities that can make up for his lost sight. And on seeing Ezra's peril on the mission, Kanan leaves to help him. This is very similar to the gotta go help my friends. <laughs> Leaving the holocron with the Bendu. He kind of leaves it as a parting gift. Yep. The rebels then manage to secure a handful of fighters but lose the phantom. It's kind of Ezra's fault. After Pour Ezra sets the shipyard plummeting and it is only the timely arrival of the ghost and the other rebel ships that save him. After Thrawn determines they are not dealing with the entire rebel fleet 
and orders his forces to allow them to escape. Ezra gets in trouble. He gets a suspension, <laughs> and he expresses his gratitude towards Kanan for rejoining the action while the rebels learn that the Y-Wings are to be delivered to General Dodonna's unit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So that is what happens in these two episodes. That's a quick breakdown. Mm-hmm. So why don't we jump into the theme of these two episodes? Theme. The theme. The theme for these two episodes is patience. Oh, so much of what we see happening and not happening throughout these two episodes are based on patience. Characters, successes and failures largely hinge on their abilities to wait for the right moment or the right time or the right amount of insight, training, understanding or growth to have occurred. Some moments are largely failed because of a lack of patience. Let's get into some of those moments first. The lack mm -hmm. of patience. We see it happening a bit. Ezra, in the beginning, employs some questionable techniques in the rescue of Hondo Anaka. Initially, we kind of see him as growing in the force, using these abilities wildly to take out stormtroopers, in which I tallied, by the way, um, <clears throat> roughly 19 stormtroopers look like they are not just knocked out, but actually killed to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's like 30 in total, but 19 of those 30 look irrevocably damaged. It was pretty wild. Kanan did not teach him these abilities, and Ezra coldly replies to Sabine that too. He didn't teach me that. Perhaps for a reason... Kanan did not teach Ezra how to use mind tricks to steer people into their own deaths. Pretty dark stuff. Yeah, that was so brutal. In this, in these scenes, it seems like Ezra is running before he can walk. He's not mm -hmm. being patient. He's not employing patience, listening to his teacher, growing in the right way. He's growing, but it's like an athlete who's roiding. <laughs> yeah, right? you know what this reminds me of is the Yoda quote. When Luke asks if the dark side is stronger, and he goes, no, no, quicker, easier, more seductive. Yeah, exactly. It was a great Yoda, by the way. That was great. Yeah, you were <laughs> And this is, that's exactly this episode. It's yeah. a lot quicker. It's more seductive. It's lacking in patience, which is such a Jedi staple, that kind of being able to be patient and reflective, right? And mm -hmm. none of this is happening for Ezra. Ezra, another moment, Ezra rushes in to get the Y-Wings, right? They're, they're supposed to just be doing a recon mission, and he takes the ghost down to the base, to the Y-Wings, and preempts the mission with not enough troops, little intel, and no patience. This leads to the Phantom being lost. Mm -hmm. It's pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, we also see moments of no patience when the Ugnat Turba... <laughs> rushes out of his prison cell only to be shot by the ATDP. Every character who inflexibly uh, dismisses patience and goes for the quick and easy mm -hmm. fails, including Kanan. 
um, and his quick dismissal of these creatures that he is totally afraid of. But on the other hand, there are moments where patience pays off. They were patient with the light and were able to rescue Hondo and Naka. If you remember, they didn't rush mm-hmm. reckless as Ezra was when he was killing in the beginning, when those lights were passing by and they knew they had to wait for those moments. And it was very Metal Gear Solid, if you remember. They waited <laughs> yeah. for the light to go by, then they moved totally. in. That is the first little instance of patience paying off. How about Hondo's ha- kind of has a long con. He doesn't kill the Ugnaughts when they get to the base, but instead he befriends them, unlike Ezra. Ezra was just ready to take them out. Hondo slowed him down and said, no, let's make friends out of this. He, was, he did say it may be more profitable, but that's just <laughs> Hondo speak for... I, I don't believe that he's thinking... I think he truly has a soft spot for Ugnaughts. Yeah. Like, let's not kill them. And it works. They befriend mm-hmm. them. They turn off the conveyor belts. They're able to say the Y-Wings. Ezra's approach might not have worked. But Hondo, Hondo and his patient, slow-to-speak, quick-to-listen approach did pay off. This also paid off for Kanan with the Bendu. If you remember, he asked what he needed to do. How to regain his... Mm-hmm. How to regain his... He was slow to speak, right? Quick to mm-hmm. listen. Again, patient. He trusted the Bendu, and in so, he gained insight, not through his intelligence, not through his force sensitivity or his force abilities or his cunning, but through his abilities to be patient, wait, and listen. Patience also pays off, or will pay off, or might pay off, (laughs) for the enemy, the Empire. Thrawn lets the rebels escape. He doesn't take the quick and easy and often Sith-like approach to bloodlust and attack. He waits for another day. He lets the rebels escape, lets them win the battle so they might win the war. That's a really good point. That's like the scariest thing about Thrawn to me. Yeah, and to me, so much of this episode is I was wrestling with what the theme might be um, in the beginning, I, when I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is totally an episode about maturity and how people are maturing. <laughs> and I saw, but then as you get into it, you realize it's a false kind of maturity. It's a maturity. It's like a, a skin deep maturity. It's, it's like a foundation built on sand, right? Mm-hmm. It's tainted growth. And I don't like sand. No, and we don't like sand, <laughs> but what's being built here is quick and easy and it is bound to fail. It's only in the characters who grow and mature in the right ways with patience that we see actual long-term success, not just the short-term kind of ephemeral success that they think is yielding results. And seriously, most disturbing was that ATDP Ezra mind trick. No, Kanan didn't teach him that, but for a good (laughs) reason, right? It's like you haven't gotten to the lesson where, listen, we don't do this. Yeah. Because it's messed up. It was cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, it was definitely cool, but. Very was, messed up. It, more, it had morality questions all over it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. So that is the theme for these two episodes. Patience. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So we have jumped, as you mentioned, six months later 
from where we last left our heroes. And Dave Filoni points out that we are dealing with a lot of the fallout of what happened on that synth Sith temple. So we're seeing how that affected all of our heroes, what the loss of Ahsoka has done for them. One thing that I like to point out talking about maybe a little bit more surface changes is the costume changes and changes to the character models from season to season. We've pointed this out before and it's a really cool thing that rebels does. I think Um, it shows the passage of time and kind of the growth of the characters. So Mm. did you notice any that you, you were particularly fond of? I mean, Oh, we saw it last time, but I love the Kanan mask. Yeah, the Kanan mask is cool. He has the beard now, which I yeah. mean, I'm going to go on record as saying this is by far the best Kanan look. Yeah, beard Kanan, and I do like, I know it looks silly, but I like short hair, Ezra. I'm a <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. Like, I li- I think he looks, he looks more adult, which I like, but he also like just something like the sheenness of the character model. It looks like they just popped like Lego hair on his head yeah it does which is weird um some other interesting things i feel like you'll like this one um zeb's outfit is mainly the same except for his armor now as an illustration of big bongo on it oh. <laughs> oh my god yeah and this i mean this is probably expected but sabine has new hair minor changes to her armor and her clothing color she seems to have the biggest changes from season to season so yeah. My one, the one I'm really excited about because I've complained about this. It's very nitpicky, but she has fingerless gloves now instead oh, of those dishwasher gloves. I hate it. I don't like the fingerless <laughs> gloves. Oh right, she's she looks like such a cool cool girl. I mean, I love it. I love her hot topic gloves. <laughs> I just yeah, the dishwasher gloves were weird to me. Um, it's, yeah, she just doesn't need gloves. Yeah. Um, the other one is, that I thought was really interesting is she has a convoy painted on her pauldron, the little shoulder thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the specific green and cream one that we have come to know as being like an avatar, the sister and representing Ahsoka's connection to the force, which brings up an interesting question because she never saw that convoy as far as we know. So Ezra must have like described it to her. Mm, yeah or it's just a i mean maybe it's a piece of lore they all know yeah it must be something a little bit like more impactful to do that specific one because we see convoys in this episode too but they're all the brown ones um Mm. so it's not that specific like force sensitive one or whatever so that i thought was a little bit interesting to me the only the only thing i saw on Hera is she now has an official military patch showing that she's a captain in the uh rebellion but mainly she's the same. And then Rex, I mean, he's still just a hot daddy. Yeah, always. <laughs> but one big change that we see is Ezra's green lightsaber. Yeah, How do you feel about that? Um, cool. I mean, it's, it's cool. I wish, um, I wish we could have, I would have loved, you know, because this is the appropriate place to do it in a mm-hmm. Star Wars kind of expanded universe setting. Um, cause these aren't the movies. This would have been a great place to explore the building of that so i'm i like it and i'm bummed we didn't get to be a part of it yeah i mean i think it obviously looks cooler than the bubble oh shooting gosh. staple oh gun <laughs> absolutely um i also like the green blade we don't see that very commonly so i think that is a cool thing um yeah i i'm into it but i agree i think it would have been kind of cool to see um yeah and it's kind of it. like a he's now wielding like the green lightsaber and it, he like 
it's I think it is emblematic of like the older, wiser, like following this dramatic battle with Darth Vader, right? That cost mm-hmm. him some that battle was and I don't think we I don't think I touched on it, which is I don't know how I didn't <laughs> I was thinking about it. During that battle, that moment for Ezra was like the loss of innocence moment. Mm, yeah. And it had greater consequences for some of his friends, but he's also like in peril of falling to the dark side now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just change Ezra's name to Luke Skywalker and you've <sighs> summed up how much, you know, you've summed up this is the moment from Empire to Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's good point. That's where we're living right now. And what was Luke's lightsaber change? Yep. Blue to green, yep. right? Yep, totally. So that's a great point. If this isn't that mirroring, like I don't know what is because it's <laughs> so similar. Yep. And you you touched on it, but I mean we've we've hinted at it in the past season because you saw quick little glimpses, but we are officially in full blown dark Ezra mode. This is it. Yeah. Yep. This is this episode maybe is even the peak of it. Yeah, it might be. I don't really remember. So I think we've discussed this. I've I've purposely not revisited any of the episodes since they first aired because I want to see it with fresh eyes. So I don't really remember the anything other than the big themes of this season. So this might be the the peak of it, but I mean, it's a really good representation of the struggle between the light and dark. Like I I get his motivation. He wants to protect his friends. He he even says when he's talking to the presence in his bunk um, that he wants to become powerful and stronger, so no one could ever hurt his friends again. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I get it. It's I, I, one thing that I do like is I mean he's he's obviously unlikable, which you should be unlikable if you're flirting with the dark side, but he's yeah. not whiny and annoying, um, no. which he has come off as before. He seems like a, an adult menace to me. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it's tough because, you know, from here on out, I want to pick one theme that I think is the most like salient in the episodes we're tackling. Totally. But there are of course several, yeah. like, you know, we're going to choose a theme and I, I'm choosing a theme kind of asininely based on what I think is the most important year. But there are mm-hmm. other themes that touch on that that have to do with standards. <laughs> Everybody in this episode has some kind of barometer for like morality barometer and mm-hmm. Ezra struggling with it. But we even see the Empire struggling with it. Callus notes like that like w- he has disdain that Thrawn's recent victory oh, yeah. like that got him promoted came at the cost of high civilian casualties. So we're seeing even there Callus saying like, ooh, like this is too far. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral? The Emperor recently promoted me after my victory at Baton. Civilian casualties outnumbered the insurgents at the time. Acceptable margins, Agent Callus, for there are no longer rebels in that sector. And Price and the others, they couldn't care less. But mm-hmm. Price's comments are kind of ironic because if you remember in the Thrawn novel, it's revealed that she is the one responsible for the casualties, casualties and lets Thrawn take the fall. Interesting. And, but then also Ezra, like during that ATDP fire on the other stormtroopers, like force walking off the abyss, like it's everyone's disturbed by that. So we have yeah. these people disturbed by other people's motives. And it's interesting. You can see where the pieces are going to be falling very soon. 
Callus mm-hmm. is going to be turning, and Ezra, in a way, is going to be turning, but back towards himself. Yeah, uh, so totally. you see, like standards being questioned and directions changing, and this is the this episode is the not to be cheeky the callous of all of that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I like that, and I think it plays well too into the theme, like the title of the episode. So I, I feel like the wording of it was a little weird when I saw it. it was good steps into shadow, and so I was trying to think of who's stepping into these shadows, and obviously, unintentionally, maybe Ezra is stepping into the dark side a little bit. But I thought it's interesting too that Kanan kind of purposely stepped into shadows. You know, his blindness he took very kind of literally. I mean, we saw him defeat the Inquisitor as a blind jedi at the temple and then all of a sudden he's like no i can't do anything i'm useless because i'm blind and so he kind of cuts himself they say it very specifically he cut himself off from the force and so i think that's a really interesting thing that they're, that they're going to explore in this season is what does it mean to have a connection to the force what's it mean to be on that spe- spectrum between the light and the dark side the mm-hmm. shadow and the light uh, i think that's really interesting yeah and like Playing off that, like, because we're just jumping around here, yeah. the ending when Ezra and the station are falling into the dark abyss. Oh, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> if that's not a double meaning right there, like, and then Kanan is the one who reach out to him, like, through the ghost. And when he's, and when the door of the ghost opens, light is just blaring at it. <laughs> and Kanan goes, like, I've got you. You know what I mean? Yep. And Ezra tells Kanan that he's too far to reach. To which, like, he replies to him that all he has to do is let go, and he does. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, like, <laughs> such a big step into the shadow, right? As we're yeah. falling to the dark, the ghost opens light. Like, it's like this Christ moment, right? Yep, and he has to trust Kanan and let go in order to bring himself into the light. Um, that's some that's some good subtextual reading. I yeah. Like that. Oh, bam, there it is. <laughs> um. On a little less serious note, I've got some pretty cool little Easter eggs. Um, two of them I think you're going to be excited for because they are... Poster. Yeah. One of them's poster talk. And Dude. Oh, man. Where's our poster theme? I hope we have a poster theme right now. Yeah. I think we have to make one. Yeah. I'll figure one out. Okay, cool. Um, so poster talk. And then there's another Phantom Menace little easter egg that i'm sure you saw but so first of all poster talk that we see this we've seen it before a magazine reading space wars um there is also a poster of a yt 1300 light freighter um which is the carillion ship what's what what's the millennium falcon is it the 1300 i don't know wait i'm looking this up i mean it'd be tight if i knew yep it is oh wow good one so so yeah, there's a po- there's a poster that says Carillion YT thirteen hundred on it. Obviously, I, d- I doubt it's a poster of the Millennium Falcon, but there's a little meta ness there. The one I think you're going to be super excited for is: Did you notice the classic pod racing poster no. with Ben Quagineros on it? Oh man, that yep. is very cool. It has a picture of him, and it says you can't see his first name, but in Arabesh, you can read Quagineros on it. Oh. Um, so oh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other, the other, I got a little giddy when I heard this, but Zeb was chatting with the group and I forgot what they said. And he goes, pretty wizard, eh? This is so wizarding. Oh, I I definitely heard that. (laughs) So that was tight. But yeah, so you brought up 
Arinda Price. And I think this little section where they're all chatting on the Star Destroyer um, is kind of interesting, too. Because, first of all, we have heard of Arinda Price. She is the governor of Lothal. She's been mentioned a couple times. She was in the Thrawn novel. We even, as you mentioned, saw the battle that uh, Thrawn got promoted in, in that in that novel. Yeah. Which I thought was cool synergy. Um, but this is her first on-screen appearance. So yeah. we are seeing Arinda Price in her CGI flesh and blood. Grand Admiral Thrawn believes the rebels intend to raid the plant and steal fighters for their fleet. Every ship they add to their arsenal increases the threat to our own armada and the Emperor's plans. Um, she is voiced by Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who also plays Freya Fennis in Star Wars Resistance. Um, her appearance is based on Irana Spock. I don't know how to say this. Irina Spalko. Um, that's the character that Kate Blanchett played in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the oh, Crystal totally, Skull. Totally, totally. So, like yeah, yeah, totally. Doesn't she look exactly like her? And yeah. it's funny to me that I bet like Dave Filoni is just like a big Crystal Skull head. That's so weird. <laughs> um, there was a little bit of a weird like uh, Easter eggy thing because in the promotional material and one of the trailers, I think it showed that she her insignia plaque said that she was an admiral. And people were like, nerds were like, oh, but she's a governor. So they changed it for the actual show. But if you look on the Rebels complete season three cover, she still has the wrong like badge. Hmm. And then one, this one's actually kind of weird and maybe a little sad. But um, on March 17th, 2017, on Toonami Preflight, Stephen Bloom, who plays Zeb, mentions that he and Mick Glenn are currently dating and then on March 2nd, 2018, he referred to her as his fiance in a Q&A after the season f- series finale sure. of Rebels. Weird. The weird thing, though, is she is not married to Stephen Bloom. So, hmm. that, okay. uh, yep. So, bummer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, do you want to jump into the Bendu? I think that's the next yeah. biggest thing before we get to yeah. Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, the Bendu's big. And yeah. the Bendu, quite literally big <laughs> and cool. Um, yeah. And he said he has some awesome lines. Yeah, before you get into that, ironically, actually, the Bendu is not as big as he was supposed to be. I found some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm, please. Um, so remember Mystery of Chopper Base, that episode? Yeah. That is when the Bendu was supposed to first appear. Mm. And the Bendu was going to be, like, way, way bigger. So the plot was going to be that the rebels accidentally built their base on his back and they like go off for a mission. And then when they come back, their base is gone because the Bendu just like got up and walked away. (laughs) But they, they didn't, they ended up going with another story and saving the Bendu. But they did say that the Bendu was an idea that they've had since uh, season one. They just didn't really know how to kind of put that in, which I think is a really cool foresight too, because the new trilogy and everything is dealing with kind of these exact themes. And so I like seeing them peppered throughout the series and all these different places. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, and there are some, um, I mean, first of all, the voice is just off, just awesome. Ah, you heard my call. Good. Your imbalance woke me from a deep slumber. Imbalance? Your presence is like a violent storm in this quiet world. You're a force wielder. 
But you're not a Jedi. Wielder? Hmm. Jedi and Sith wield the Ashlar and Bogan. The light and the dark. I'm the one in the middle. The Bendu. Yeah, do you know who, who did that? I don't know if you'd be actually that excited about it, but Tom, it's a big Tom deal Baker? for yep, specific yeah. nerds. So Tom yeah. Baker was one of the original doctors yeah. in Doctor Who and considered widely to be one of the best. He, yeah. He's really, really good. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a who head, but you're not uh, a Whovian. I'm not a Whovian, but uh, I do know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, voice awesome when he says deep slumber. It's like the cool deep slumber. Yeah, the coolest thing. But totally, I I love what he also he represents. Right, the uh, the mm-hmm. one in the middle and the great line of Jedi and Sith wield the Ashla and Bogan, the light mm-hmm. and the dark. And uh, I think that's amazing. But he mm-hmm. is this one who sits in the middle of it. Um, and I think it's amazing because that's like the kind of perspective that you want and need that everyone totally. wants and needs. And it's a shame that not more people have access to this, um, including mm-hmm. the Jedi. And it's for what's going on in current Star Wars canon um, with Rey and what she's looking for. The Bendu would be such a great guide. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but I love it. Another great line when he's talking to Kanan is that your presence is a violent storm in this quiet world. And yeah. then what's raging inside of Kanan right now and him, I think more than anything, him like sulking like, you know, the mythical Achilles in his tent is just mm-hmm. unbearable. And I almost think it's a dig on Kanan. Like, Oh, please stop sulking. <laughs> like it's not that I don't, it's not his force presence. It's not that he's bringing, I don't think that he's, bringing this massive um you know metachlorian count or anything yeah i think it's more that what's raging inside of him his his like his just how distraught and at war with himself he is that is what is uncontrollable mm, and totally. what is stirring everything up yeah and it's interesting to me too because ezra has been hanging out on this planet for a while like he in the traditional orthodox of the Jedi, you would think he would be the violent storm because he's playing with the dark side. But I mean, he mm-hmm. seems pretty comfortable with being in that role. So, you know, the Bendu doesn't say like you and your apprentice are a violent storm. He's like, no, you are. Cause you're being a whiny baby. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. One thing, I mean, and out of universe too, it's interesting too, because you mentioned it, you know, the, he says the Jedi and Sith wield the Ashla and the Bogan, which we have mentioned before were, original ideas for George Lucas's like light side and dark side is what he, he was going to call it. Yeah. Um, and they've started bringing that back in into rebels specifically. Um, also the Bendu came from George Lucas's first treatment of star Wars because he referred to the Jedi as the Jedi Bendu. Mm. And so I think it's cool because, you know, this idea of it being on a continuum kind of l- lends us to seeing lots of different flavors of the force. Um, we've talked about this before, you know, in the Luke Skywalker book, he goes to that water planet and they all refer to the force as the tide. Um, and they use it to support their little fishing, Mm. um, village. And so that also out of universe makes it cool because we can start showing respect to some of George Lucas's old thoughts and bringing in, you know, metachlorians are kind of a cool thing now. And Ashla and Boga Bogan, like, you know, it's, it's nice as George Lucas appreciators. Yeah. No, it is. I love yep. it. I love yeah. Ashlyn Bogan just as 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, the the mythology is very fun. Yeah, that's what I'm going to name my kids when I have them. Yeah. Oh, Ashla. <laughs> oh, Bogan. And two more little Canaan things, too, is, you know, specifically, they talk about Canaan must see things differently now. Um, so I think that's kind of an interesting thing. You know, everyone has to shift their per- perspectives a little bit in this episode and as they go on to, through season three to become the people they're destined to be or whatever. And so this is the start of that journey for him. And also just a little thing that kind of warmed my heart is Kanan refers to himself as a Jedi Knight. So, you know, yeah. the knighting ceremony in the temple, it, it's stuck, mm. um, which I like. Um, you want to hear like kind of a cool Bendu Easter egg kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, Dave Filoni tweeted something that said, this is a quote. Okay. It just occurred to me that I never got to tell you the story of the time that the Bendu met Ahsoka Tano. It was a brief encounter, which took place around the end of the episode mystery of chopper base from season two, just before Ahsoka, Kanan and Ezra left off on their fateful mission to Malachor of their conversation. You might find this dialogue to be most interesting. So Bendu says you are set on this confrontation then. And Ahsoka replies, I have to know the truth. Bendu says, so be it. But understand this, much will change as a result of this encounter, including you. Ahsoka replies, isn't it true of all things as time advances? And Bendu says, my dear, when I say change, I mean death. And Ahsoka says, so I will die. And Bendu says, will you? I didn't know that. Goodbye then, Ahsoka Tano, former Jedi Knight. Hmm. So this hasn't appeared anywhere, but the way that Dave Filoni is talking about it, makes it sound like this is canon and it kind of goes to two interesting things that first of all, Ahsoka met Bendu, which I think is kind of cool. And then secondly, she was prepared for her death going into the Vader encounter, but she felt like she needed to do it either way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So would you like to move on to Grand Admiral Thrawn, the other big reveal of this season three premiere? Yeah. What's up? Hit me. Yeah. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Thrawn was a notorious Legends character. Um, Many people said that the Heir to the Empire trilogy was the best trilogy of books in the entire Legends giant catalog. And specifically, Thrawn was the best villain to come out of the Legends. So this was a big deal. I think a lot of people were hoping. And this was kind of one of the first things that they brought back in from Legends that was substantive. Um, So this kind of paved the ground for some of these other things we're seeing now, which I think is kind of cool. Thrawn is a very, and we'll do a deep dive on him, but he's very calculating and cold and can see you know, 10 steps down the road, ra- down the road. And it goes to that patience you were talking about, um, which makes him so scary. One of the reasons he kind of has this patience is because he's a appreciator of culture and art. Um, so he collects art of all these different species to learn about them so that he can defeat them in battle. I think he's a really interesting character. I wasn't a super big fan of those books, but I think Thrawn by far is probably the most interesting character that came out of Legends. Um, so it is really cool to see him. 
Um, how do you feel generally speaking about Thrawn? I mean, I like Thrawn. Um, yeah, he's cool. I have since read the books and the new books and mm -hmm. he's interesting because he is not just an evil character. He has very clear motivations and cunning and mm -hmm. he's not just, you know, an amorphous big bad, which mm -hmm. I hate. It's like what I'm going to hate about Game of Thrones if the White Walkers are <laughs> just there to kill everyone for no reason. You're going to be yeah. like, another big evil force for no reason. I don't like that. You know, I mm -hmm. like complex characters who you could be empathetic towards potentially or see their side. And I think Thrawn has a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, you don't agree with him, but he's he has a perspective. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, and I like, I mean, you see that perspective, you see him, you know, calculating 10 steps down the road, even in this scene, because Captain Mustache is there, and they're just like, he's like, there's no evidence of a larger galaxy rebellion, like, it's just like, to them and most of the Empire, it's very like, nope, I don't see it, nope, 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 that's like, deny, like, just very surface level, and Thrawn points out that he kind of puts the pieces together, that whole Hondo's cellmate Turbo was a laborer at Reclam Station, which is just one jump away from that station that is going to have the Y wings. So he's able to put together like, okay, what do I know about pirates and who he was with? And I see the bigger picture. They're probably going to steal these Y wings. Yeah. So I think that personality trait of Thrawn makes him more dangerous and honestly scary than, you know, a death star. Um, because many people can blow you up, but not a lot of people can see what you're going to do before you do it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Another kind of interesting thing is you can translate the Arabesh for uh, Hondo's rap sheet. It's backwards, but oh, it's pretty boilerplate. Um, but it is kind of interesting to see kind of just like the Empire's language about this stuff. So it says wanted for crimes against the Empire. Wanted rebel pirate should be considered armed and extremely dangerous. Use extreme caution. Height 1.9 tanks. So we'll get to that in a sec. The Empire is seeking location and information about suspected rebel insurgent. If you have any information concerning this person, submit all information to your nearest magistrate immediately. Do not trust at any cost. Harboring and withholding information is strictly prohibited. Blah, 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 blah. Long live the Empire. Um, so a lot of it's boilerplate, but two interesting things. The tank is an established measurement of length, huh. a little less than a meter. It was sometimes measured, used to measure a person's height. According to his wanted hologram, Hondo Anaka was 1.9 tanks tall. So that's a quote from Wikipedia. And then if we, if it is about a meter, that means Hondo's about six two. Wow. That's a, uh, never heard that measurement before. No, me neither. Very weird. Um, and then just, this is kind of interesting is they say, report any information to your local magistrate. So the only other time we've heard that is the core of our, uh, Pascal Argentate, Argentine, hmm. Argente. I don't know. He was one of the bad guys in the corporate Alliance in the prequels as part of the separatist union. And we've talked about the corporate Alliance. They're pretty much like the galaxy's Walmart, um, and so this kind of indicates that some of the separatist leadership, even though there were the leadership was killed, that the parts of the separatists kind of work in union with the empire, 
we've seen this with the mining guild, but this is um, the corporate alliance also working with the empire, kind of acting as, you know, kind of like local law enforcement, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so my last couple points, I mean, I think we can kind of jump through this really quick because really not a ton happens, but there's this mission to pick up the Y wings. Um, it's a couple interesting things. We see Admiral Titus, who's a big goober. Um, last time we saw him, he was in stealth strike and he was commanding a star destroyer. And then his failure got him demoted to this, which Ezra points out and makes one of them for, which is cool. Well, at least he didn't get killed. Yep. Um, Kanan also, he, you know, he learns. Um, th- this felt very, like, um, sacred tree to me. He was talking about, like, the fear within. And Ben was saying if he could see himself, he could never be blind. And he had to trust and go through without any weapons. And, you know, not kind of get past the spiders without any protection. Hmm. And this is kind of a catalyst to kind of get him back connected to the Force. And then he comes in with the Calvary to kind of save um ezra and the crew so i thought that was kind of a nice moment was there anything that stuck out to you about this whole rescue about the ships about just the play-by-play for that the third act no the the whole the whole second half was largely boring and kind of Mm -hmm. just action movie yeah like nothing really the first half was great Mm-hmm. The last three minutes were good. <laughs> yeah, everything kind of there in the second half was. Uh, it could have been one episode. It could have been yeah. one episode. Yeah, I think the only things that I think are that important are yeah, Kanan comes back and saves them, and then we see Ugnot. Um, I mean, we saw Ugnot earlier. I think we've seen him probably in other places, but this is probably the start of the Ugnot like saga. <laughs> Because they pop up a lot from this point on. We even meet Melch. Yeah. Um, do you have any feelings about the Ugnaughts in Rebels? Uh, they're goofy. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a kid show. I get it. Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm ambivalent. Yeah. I'm kind of like anti ugnaught Like, I thought they were cool in Empire. Um, just like as a weird kind of alien species that you don't know a lot about is like cool local flavor. I feel like it's weird that they're like fleshing them out and they're so pig like, like it's very like expected, I guess. I don't know. It seems so cartoony for me. And then they talk like, yeah, like, I'm just like, Oh God. All right. Whatever. Yeah. It's a bit rough. Yeah. I mean, I do like Hondo and Melch's friendship. That's sweet, but, I don't know. I would have preferred them to just like talk like in their own language, which they do, but they don't need all the pig snorting or like, I don't know. Why can't there just be like cultured, regular Ugnaughts that aren't just like weird pig people? It, it seems insensitive. To yeah, me. I was going to say, I don't know about that. Where are we going to, where, like, when are we going to find like the Ugnaught professor that's like a scholar in like a field of hyperspace physics? Uh, I don't know if you're going to find him on a work camp. <laughs> maybe um and then we see y-wings which are cool ships i think we've discussed them before but one little cool thing to point out as we mentioned is they are going to be sent to jan dodonna's unit which is the unit that attacked the first death star and we see the y-wings that were stolen attacking the death star in a new hope 
So I think that's some cool synergy and it kind of indicates one of the other things that's going to happen in this season is we're going to start to see the actual rebel alliance come together from a bunch of different cells. Um, and so this is one of the many nods to that, which I appreciated. Otherwise, I think those are all my notes. Um, did you have anything else that stuck out to you? No, no, that was, yeah, we, I think we hit all the, all the big notes. Cool, yeah. So I think the only other thing is just R.I.P. to the Phantom. We'll miss you. Pour yeah. one out. Yeah, all Ezra's fault. Yeah. Blame Ezra. Yep. All right, well, how we end every episode is with a grading scale of our current least favorite thing in Star Wars to our current most favorite thing in Star Wars. Would you Mm -hmm. like to give an example of what this is? Sure, and you know, as like we did the last season, we are trying to change it up, and so these are one of my favorite things and one of my least favorite things. But my scale for season three is going to be... My favorite thing is Ray pulling the lightsaber in the snow battle from Kylo Ren. I straight up teared up when I first saw that. And the applause in the audience was insane. I really remember that. And it was a great memory. My least favorite thing in Star Wars as of right now is anything C-3PO does at any other time other than the original trilogy. So mm-hmm. I have not enjoyed anything that C-3PO has done outside of the original trilogy. Yeah. And I think the worst part of that is when he's in getting his head dragged in Attack of the Clones and he's like, what a drag. Yeah. So that is my F. And between those two things, I give this episode Mon Mothma saying, many Bothans died to bring us this information. Which is just a fun thing, and I just wish that we saw more Bothans. But to me, that is a B. Mm, that is fair. Yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you. Have you ever seen the Twitter account? Is that a Bothan? Yes, it's so fun to me. Yeah. It's just a guy who just like anything that kind of looks like a Bothan, he just tries to post it and get people to confirm at Star Wars whether or not it was a Bothan. It never is. They never put Bothans in anything. Yeah, they get close. Yeah, They're never, never close enough. Yeah. So, how about you? Um, what is your scale for season three? Well, on a scale of the final battle between Maul and Obi Wan in Oof. season three of Star Wars Rebels, which is number one for me, um, even more than all the other moments I've given. Wait, number one in Rebels or Star number Wars. one in Star, Star Wars? Wars? Wow, of everything. Nice. And I don't. I don't necessarily disagree. It's just a bold stance. I was saving that moment for this season because I thought it'd be the best Great. time to say it. It's my number one of everything for so yeah. many reasons that I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, totally. And the worst thing being just kind of in general the 1997 re-releases, just everything <laughs> about them, just that. Um, I would give this episode a Luke Scott Skywalker walking into Jabba's palace at the start of Return of the Jedi. Mm. Um, it felt like the most appropriate thing. It is dark Luke. It's dark Luke. I'm going to apply that rating though, to the beginning of this episode. <laughs> it's a little unfair, <laughs> okay. but 
because this is two episodes, I'm going to say that for applying that grading to the beginning of this episode when we see that and all the parallels between the two, which is a solid A. Um, and it's just a great setup. Um, and it's an emotional set piece for both Kanan and Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I give the at least the first part of this episode an A. I'm not all even right. going to rate the second part because <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like filler. But if I'm thinking at it at all as one episode, I give it an A. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of why I thought of B because I did think this was a really good episode, but then I get dragged down in the third, yeah. third act, and so I took a couple points off I'm for just, that. So I'm just I think we're in agreement. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. it would be a B if I had to consider it, but I'm just shoving it away. Great. I love that. Sweet. So, you know where to find us. We are at Rebels Rebels Pod on, at Gmail, on Instagram, at Twitter. Um, we don't use Facebook, so don't add us there. Um, we're, we're recording this. We're going to bank up a lot of episodes, so this might be coming out quite a while after we record this. So you know what? I don't know exactly what we have to promote. We probably have some new pins out. We have an exciting new one that we are about to put into production as of recording date and also check out our D and D episodes. Those have been really fun. We're getting good feedback. Even if you are not into D and D and you just like star Wars, people who have no idea about D and D are enjoying it. So please join the move troop on our escapades and we would love to have you is there anything else mike that you want to promote <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i just, just wonder i feel like i'm forgetting something but you know just uh, wanted to make sure those are the things that i promote um, perfect yeah and remember until next time to be brave out there and don't look back don't look back see you peace If you have any information con- concerning this person, submit all information immediately. Oh my gosh. She's rubbing her face against the microphone and purring. She's being so annoying today. One sec, okay. <laughs> Sorry.